1 Samuel 17. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sokah and Judah and Ezekiah and Ephraim. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin over his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a, a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I want you to imagine the scene with me. Uh, imagine that all of us, along with several thousand other people, are all camped out on top of this hillside right here behind me. And when I say camped out, I'm not talking about lounging in a hammock or roasting a marshmallows right or playing by the creek. I'm talking about bunkering, preparing for battle. Talking about sleeping on this hillside because today, well, today we're probably going to go to war. See, across the valley, the valley of Elah right here, on that other side, just right there, is an enemy that we have been fighting for years and years and years. The enemy is called the Philistines. We've gone to battle with them at different times for different reasons, but today it's about to go down again. Today we're going to fight them again. Today might just be the end for us or for them. And so on this morning, as you wake up, you come out of your little tent, you can hear the clanging of pots and pans, but you can also hear the clanging of, of armor and, and weaponry, because men are thinking about, they're preparing for war in this moment. The atmosphere is thick, of course it's thick, we're ready for battle, but today it just seems thicker than normal, it actually seems darker, more depressing than normal. The leader of our army, a man named Saul, King Saul, he steps out of his tent on top of the hill to assess the situation. He is a very accomplished warrior, military leader. He has won countless battles for God's people over the years. But based on the look on his face today, you would never know him. Now today, it looks as if he's lost the battle before the battle's even begun. You see, in just a few minutes, taunts and threats are going to come from that hillside, and they're going to echo through the valley. And those taunts and threats are going to render King Saul powerless. You! Booms a voice from across the valley. You cowards! Why don't you line up and fight us like men? Or maybe you're just going to sit there across the hill like little dogs with your tail between your legs. <laughs> so small, the voice says. So pathetic you are. Just like that chump king you serve. Or better yet, like that chump god you serve. You're pitiful, the voice says. Just like your god. And all the soldiers, they turned to look at King Saul. 
Nothing. He says nothing in response to the taunts. And he said nothing for many, many days now. You see, the taunt is nothing new. These exact same words, or some variation of these words, they have come echoing through this valley every single day for 39 days in a row. And King Saul has said nothing in response. Not a single thing. He just stands there. Our king, the greatest warrior we have, just stands there. Totally afraid. Totally dejected. Day after day after day, he hears the taunts, and he hates the taunts, and he hates the one making the taunts, but he knows he's not strong enough to do anything about it. And he knows nobody else in this camp is strong enough to do anything about it. And so he just stands there and takes the taunts like a little kid on the playground in front of a bully. You see, the guy on the other side of the valley, the guy making these taunts, he's not just some guy. He's actually a, a giant, a brute of a man. The text tells us he stands over nine feet tall. He's most likely covered in hair, because anybody that tall has to be covered in hair, okay? <laughs> you just have to be. And of course, he's super ugly and foul-smelling, because again, if you just that, you have to put those things as well. The text tells us he has a huge bronze helmet resting on his head, a massive coat of armor covering his body, weight weighs almost more than I do, bronze plates protecting his legs, a javelin is on his back, as thick as a pine tree, it says, and then he has this spear, the head of which could pierce anything and anyone. The giant's name is Goliath. And every single day, for 40 days straight, he has claimed and proven he is bigger, stronger, and more powerful than Saul, than Saul's army, and Saul's God. You can't be serious, the taunts continue. All I'm asking is you send me one man to come and fight. One man. Everybody else can be spared. The two of us will fight to the death. We can avoid the war altogether. Him and I will fight. The winner will claim the prize for the entire countryside. One man. I'm the representative for the Philistines. Who is your man? The giant asks. Oh, wait. You don't have any men over there. Just a bunch of little girls. <laughs> I like the life that time. That's kind of alter ego thing. So King Saul, his, his aide, right, he turns and says, Sir, is there any, any response for the giant today? The king ignores the question. What's he going to say? He hasn't been able to say anything the last 39 days. What, what makes day 40 any different? So the, the king turns to his aide, Are you sure? Are you sure we've searched the entire camp for our, for our strongest warrior? Yes, the aide says, Yes, we've. We, we've, we've asked everybody. We've looked throughout all the tents. There's no one who can fight the Philistine. You, you told them, says, you told them about the hefty reward I'm going to give them, right? They will never have to pay taxes for the rest of their life. Not only them, but their entire family. No taxes. You told them that, right? And he says, yeah. We, we told them. It didn't change the situation. And you told them, the king says, you told them, I will give this person who stands up for us, I will give them the wife of my, my daughter, my most beautiful daughter, to them in marriage. They will live with me as royalty in the palace. You told them this, right? Gates says, yeah, yeah, we told them that. And it's a sweet deal, King. But no one, no one wants to take you up on it. Well, there's nothing else I can offer, King Saul says. There's nothing else we can do. So he turns in dejection. He is defeated, he's embarrassed, and he's overmatched yet again. 
And across the valley, a voice comes again. So that's a no, I'm assuming, he says. Goliath spits on the ground. You all are pathetic, just like your God. Now, far too many people believe that the story of Goliath is just some children's tale that we use to, uh, to make VBS more exciting in the summertime, right? Or maybe it's just an Old Testament story. It doesn't really apply to us right now. It's so far-fetched. It's so far removed. It just seems so fairy tale-ish. It can't possibly be true. It can't possibly be applicable to the things that we're going through in this life. But friends, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. You see, a vast majority of us are in the exact same situation that God's people were in thousands of years ago on this hillside. We are facing some sort of challenge, some sort of problem, some sort of obstacle that, that seems insurmountable. And day after day after day, this problem and this challenge and this obstacle, it, it taunts us and it threatens us and it ultimately seeks to destroy us. For the sake of this series, we're going to call all of these things, these problems, these obstacles, these challenges, we're going to call them giants. Modern day Goliaths. And most of them are just as big and ugly and scary and hairy and foul-smelling as that nine-foot brute was standing on that hillside that day. Maybe it's fear for you. Fear of the future. Fear of worst-case scenarios playing out. Fear that you will be found out. Fear that you will be called out. Fear that you won't have enough or that you won't, uh, you won't be enough. Fear that you will be abandoned or left alone or lose what's most important to you. Fear that you're going to get sick or have to go through treatments all over again. Fear grips so many of us. And it stands on that hillside and says, you! Maybe for you it's addiction. From drugs to alcohol, porn, pills, shopping, looking at yourself in the mirror. Maybe your giant is this behavior, this stress relief, this little self-medication that you use that you just can't seem to live without. Something you, you think about constantly, and you swear you'll never do it again, and all of a sudden you find yourself doing it again. Addictions stand on a hillside, and they say, you! Maybe it's a feeling of guilt. Maybe you are so overwhelmed by what you've done, or what you haven't done, but by who you are, who you were. Maybe the people you hurt over the years, or all the skeletons you stuffed in your closet, maybe they are haunting you still to this day. Maybe you feel like you, you've messed up so badly, you don't deserve anything good, anything good now in the future. Maybe guilt is standing on that hillside saying, you. Maybe for you it's pride, arrogance. Maybe you're living in a world that you honestly believe revolves totally around you. Or you assume you've earned or deserve or have worked hard for all the stuff you have in this life. You don't give credit or praise to anybody. Maybe you think you're strong enough or creative enough or, or smart enough or charismatic enough to, to handle everything on your own. Or you think you can get out of this mess or solve this problem or make good on this promise if you just, if you just try harder or put in more hours at the office. Right? You think asking for help or asking for forgiveness, those are signs of weakness and failure. And so pride is standing on that hillside taunting you. Yeah. Maybe it's complacency. Maybe you just aren't very excited about anything right now. Maybe you feel like you're just living in this constant haze, this fog, from work to hobbies, to marriage, to faith. Your heart just feels cold. 
Your spirit just feels empty. Your dreams just seem dead. And although you should care, you just don't care that you don't care. You just don't care about anything right now. You can hardly get out of bed anymore. Maybe it's just complacency. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's comfort for you standing on that hillside. Maybe having more, or working more, or upgrading to the newest and latest and greatest is all consuming. Maybe your treasures aren't in heaven. Maybe there are four storage units that you rent out every single month. Maybe your own safety or security is holding you back from being the person God wants you to be. Maybe you make decisions or, or handle situations or treat people based on how easy it is or what they can do for you, what you can get in return. Maybe comfort is standing on that hillside taunting you. You see, giants, giants come in all shapes and sizes. And I imagine if we had time to sit and talk, every single one of us couldn't believe. Every single one of us would know the feeling, right? We would know what it feels like to come face to face, to have this power, this problem, this predicament standing right in front of you, man, harassing you, insulting you, and defying you. And not just you, but your faith in your God. And day after day, this giant robs you, man. It robs you of your joy. It robs you of your peace. It robs you of your confidence. It robs you of your time with family, your time alone with God. It robs you of your maturity, your identity in Christ. You see, giants taunt and take. That's what they're best at. And they've done it for thousands and thousands of years. They taunt and they take. It was true back then, and it's still true today. Your giant is taunting you. And it's taking things from you. And you know it, and I know it. And chances are, you've tried to defeat this giant before on your own, but you haven't had a lot of success. Nothing's really worked. But you've tried to counter the assault. You've tried to stand up to the attack. But nothing's, nothing's really happened or changed. And now you kind of feel powerless. You feel immobilized. You feel, you feel trapped. I mean, the giant is just standing right there in front of you. You don't see a way around him. You know you just can't go through him. And so now you don't know what to do. You know something has to change. You know something's got to give, but you're not sure what it is. And so every day, the giant makes his way out into your life, and he taunts you, right? and he teases you. There's all these things, and you just, you just have to cover your ears, or you tuck tail and run, or you act like it's not that big of a problem. Like, like what, what, what giant? What nine-foot behemoth creature standing behind you trying to kill you? Oh, that little guy? Oh, it's no big deal at all. Take your life out, no big deal at all. It's a really big deal. But like King Saul and his entire army, right? We, we know, we know we've got to do something because the giant's not just going to go away. In fact, with every passing day, the giant gets more confident. With every passing day, the giant gets more aggressive. And so many of us, as a result, feel totally overwhelmed, overrun, overmatched. Now, at this point, some of you might be thinking, Giants? Eh, I'm not really picking up what you're laying down here, Pastor Thomas. Life is pretty good. I'm not facing this insurmountable challenge, and nothing's taunting me. Great, that's cool, man. Like, get a cup of coffee in the, in the foyer, and at the coffee bar, come and enjoy the music, and maybe just clock out during the sermon. <laughs> For everybody else, though, I imagine you know exactly what I'm talking about. The moment I said giant, the moment I said obstacle, the moment I said something's taunting me, Something's ripping life away from you. You're like, yeah, hey, I'm all ears. I'm living in that hillside right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's what this series is for. People like me. People like you. People who don't know what to do about the Goliath that's standing on that hillside. 
life. And I chose this series right after Easter because as we talked about it a little bit last week, and as the ladies did such an amazing job of describing this morning to you, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just ensure that we have life after death. The resurrection of Jesus is designed to bring us life before death. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection don't just matter at the end of your life. They are designed to give you victory and confidence and power right now over everything in this life. I want you to say this with me out loud. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection don't just matter at the end of our life. They are designed to give us victory and confidence and power over everything we face in this life. Now I want you to say that you actually believe it, okay? <coughs> Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection don't just matter at the end of our life. They are designed to give us victory and confidence and power over everything we face in this life. That's how big the resurrection is. Don't make it so small. It's like, well, then maybe one day it'll bring me life after life. That's kind of a neat little side thing. No, 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 no. The resurrection is bigger than you can even imagine. It goes into every corner, every crevice of this life. When he rose from the dead, it changed everything. And we have to live in that reality now. When you proclaim faith in Christ, you are saying you believe in a God who overcame the absolute worst that this world could throw at him. You are saying, you believe in a God who overcame sin, Satan, hell, hatred, demons, even death. And when you say you believe in him, you are saying, he didn't just do it back then, but he can do it right now. Like the song we sang, because he is alive, right now, he is able and willing and ready to overcome everything that's standing in your way. Just as he was able, willing, and ready to overcome everything that was standing in his way. You with me? Or if you don't hear anything else in this series, you've got to hear this. No matter how many times you've tried before, no matter how many times you've been knocked down by this time, no matter how many, how many taunts you have heard, no matter how many times you've heard, then you're never going to get better. I'm always going to rule over you. I'm always going to take life from you. No matter how many times you've heard that, no matter how many days you felt totally defeated at the foot of your giant, there is not a single Goliath in this world who is bigger than God. Not a single one. Whatever giant you are facing, I can guarantee you, is bigger than you. A lot bigger than you. But there is not a single giant in this world who is bigger than Jesus. Amen, church? Not a single one. He's a lot bigger than I am, man. Six feet compared to nine feet, dude, it's huge. 125 pounds on his head and his shoulders, javelin, a pine tree, spear. He's bigger than me. He can take me out. He can't take out Jesus. He is not bigger than Jesus. What's he going to do? Kill Jesus? Oh, there, try that. It worked. All right, that's when we've got to start the series, guys. Normally, we read the story of David and Goliath. And we frame it in such a way where we are David. We use the stories like this motivational speech when we encourage people, especially young people. Like, take courage, take a stand, grab some stones, go toe-to-toe with your greatest, your greatest enemy, your biggest foe. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. We hear Rob Schneider's character, right, in Waterboy. You can do it. 
You are not David in this story. I am not David in this story. Jesus is our David in this story. He's the only one who can take down your giant. He's the only one who's strong enough or good enough or powerful enough to take out everything that's standing in your way. He's the only one who knows what to do and how to do it. Giants fall because of the work of Jesus. Giants fall because of the work of Jesus. Your giant won't be destroyed because you exert more effort or you show better discipline or you put up stricter boundaries or you muscle up greater willpower. When you think you can defeat your giant, your focus is on you or your giant. You cannot focus on either two of those things. Your focus has to be on Christ. Not your strength, not the giant's strength, but on Christ's strength. This is hard to hear, and I get it, but we are just like the men on that hillside in the original story. We don't stand a chance against Goliath, and we know it. He's been crushing people ever since he was a wee little Goliath. That's why the giant in your life isn't backing down. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of you at all. He knows he can and always will have his way with you. In fact, he relishes in that fact. That's why he's taunting you. You? You gonna come out and fight me, Thomas? You? Really? You think you can defeat me? Ah! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're not strong enough at all. And that's why he's still standing in your life. We need someone to come to our rescue, do we not? We need someone to come to our aid. We need someone to show up on the scene who the world doesn't think stands a chance. We need someone to show up who looks rather weak or pitiful or worthless, but someone who's going to catch that giant by surprise. We need someone who will take him out for us, and that someone is Jesus. Romans 8 says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. We're standing in front of these giants that are taking us out. No, 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 no. Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Say that last time with me. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Let's break that down just a little. Overwhelming victory. Not teeny, tiny, barely, last second, skin of your teeth victory. Overwhelming. Destroy the opponent. Inspired, vast, great, complete, and utter victory is ours. Not hers, not his, not theirs, not, not the good church folk, not those who are tra uh, trained in giant slain. Ours. It's ours. If you're sitting here right now, that promise applies to you. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Not your spouse, not your pastor, not your daily Bible reading, not, not your Bible study group, not more discipline, not, not stricter boundaries, through Christ. Not your determination or your discipline or whatever, through Christ. Overwhelming victory over fear is yours through Christ. Overwhelming victory over addictions is yours through Christ. Overwhelming victory over shame and regret. It's yours 
through Christ. Overwhelming victory through pride and arrogance. It's yours through Christ. Overwhelming victory through complacency and apathy. It's yours through Christ. Overwhelming victory over comfort is yours through Christ. Overwhelming victory over any giant, over every giant, is yours through Christ. Amen, church? And we're going to see in this series, Jesus is a giant slayer. And when we lean into him, when we focus on him, when we trust him, when we keep our eyes on him, when we surrender to him, we will overcome every giant that stands in our way. Let me ask the band to come back. Come up, let's learn a We'll close with one final song. God, you are an incredible God. And in this moment, we come to you right now and we ask for you to be a giant slaying God that you've proven yourself to be over the years. Lord, many of us in this room right now, we know the feeling that Saul's army felt that day many, many years ago on that hillside. We hear the taunts coming to us, God. We hear the threats being made over us. You're weak. You're pitiful. You're pathetic. You'll never get over this. You have to have this addiction. You have to feel bad about who you were. You'll, you'll always be alone in the future. You're going to get really sick, and it's going to be really hard. We hear these threats, God, and they overwhelm us. We don't want to be overwhelmed, God. It's that we want to overcome. Lord, for so many days in a row, God's people sat there so dejected and so depressed. And my fear is, God, that right now so many of God's people are still sitting here so dejected and so depressed. Thinking there's nothing we can do about these giants. And yet, Lord, the resurrection of your son proves to us, oh, there's something we can do, all right. We can cling to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that overcomes anything and everything this world can throw at him. And so if we are close to him, Lord, I believe in all my heart that we will overcome the things that are trying to take us down as well. It's all about being next to Jesus. It's all about clinging to Jesus. It's all about surrendering to Jesus. I'm too weak to do this on my own. I'm too weak to fix my marriage. I'm too weak to get out of debt. I'm too weak to overcome the addiction. I'm too weak to be passionate again about things that I was once passionate about. I'm too weak to think it's okay that I wasn't good enough back in the day. It's, it, it, I'm too weak to overcome the belief that I'm not good enough even now, God. I'm too weak to overcome all the things standing in my way. But Jesus can do it. Jesus has done it. The promise is he will do it again. So let me cling to Jesus. Let me just believe in Jesus and help, help me, God, through Christ, to overcome it all. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing this one final song. Close our